The following sermon, entitled Children, Obey Your Parents, 32nd in the series of the Book of Ephesians, the Blessed Church of Christ, was preached on the evening of November 20th, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Reynolds, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Note that at 26 minutes into the sermon, roughly three minutes of the sermon were lost due to technical problems. We apologize for the inconvenience. Let's open God's Word this evening to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. We read this in connection with uh, text for tonight's sermon, Ephesians 6, verses 1-3, through 3, but let's begin by reading from Proverbs 3. We'll read the first 12 verses and then verses 21-26. through 26. Proverbs 3, My son, forget not my law, but, keep, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth even as a father the Son in whom he delighteth. And now verse 21 through 26. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, Thou shalt not be afraid, yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for tonight's sermon is Ephesians 6. Verses 1-3, through three, we come to the last chapter in this book. Ephesians 6, verses 1-3. through three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Most often, It is the simple, clear, and straightforward command or instruction that is the most helpful for one who is called to follow it. That is, if somebody is telling somebody else 
here's what you must do. But then they give a long, complicated, convoluted series of instruction and commands. Well, the likelihood of that being carried out becomes very small. But when a command or instruction is given that's simple, to the point, and even if there are many different aspects to it, they all fit under some clear heading or there's clear guideposts along the way, well, that makes it easier to follow that instruction. That's far more helpful. And it's in light of that that we see the wisdom of this section of Scripture that we are going through in our series in the book of Ephesians. For we have come to a segment of the book that gives specific instruction to particular segments, particular aspects of the congregation. And to each of those segments of the congregation, there's a clear, simple word. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loves His church. And now we're given another one, this time, to children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is the clear, straightforward, instruction and command that comes to a specific segment of the congregation tonight. Certainly, there's more to the text than the command itself. The text gives a reason to follow the command. The text gives encouragement. And there's many different aspects that we need to draw out of this. But nevertheless, the, the basic fundamental word is straightforward. Children, obey your parents. And that's the theme for tonight's sermon. In tonight's sermon, we want to look first at that command for children, to children. Then we want to look at the encouragement for the children in this. And then finally, the Gospel for the children of the church. Children, obey your parents. The command, the encouragement, and the Gospel. In considering this passage, is it not striking to whom this word is addressed? Children. That's how the text begins with that one simple word. Children. And then what follows. That is, Paul's primary audience in view here are all those children, young and old, who are still under the authority of their parents. And that's striking because that means when Paul first wrote this epistle to be read in the church at Ephesus and the surrounding churches, he simply assumed that among those who would be listening when the letter was read, children would not be lacking. Paul has a word for the children of the congregation, which is to say, God Himself has a word for the children of the congregation. Because Paul is writing by inspiration. It's the Spirit who leads him to address 
the children of the church. And that's significant. This is noteworthy. And there are two main implications that flow from this. The fact that God addresses the children no less than He addresses wives and husbands and fathers and servants and masters. He has a word for children. And the first important implication of this is that children are included in Christ's covenant and kingdom. And we say that because do you remember how he addressed the congregation as a whole at the beginning of this book? In chapter 1, verse 1, Paul wrote to the church and he said, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That is, to those who believe in Christ Jesus. And now under that broad heading of saints faithful in the Lord, he now includes under that children. And what this is teaching us is that children are a part of the church. Children belong to Christ's kingdom, to God's covenant. Now to be clear, not every single child born to believing parents is necessarily saved. For God gives to believing parents both Jacob's and Esau's. And therefore, no individual who was born in the church, raised in the church, may ever presume that because I have believing parents, therefore I'm automatically saved. That's not what we're saying. But in light of this passage, it is clear that when it comes to the children of believers, God is pleased to continue His covenant in the line of generations. God is pleased to save children as children while they're still young. And that's clear from the fact that He addresses them here in His Word, no less than He addresses wives and husbands and parents and servants and masters. That's the first implication. The second implication is that children are to be here in the worship service. Because remember, when Paul wrote this letter, the expectation is that it would be read to the whole congregation. And his expectation is that the children would be sitting there listening as this letter is read. And this is God's expectation that the children hear the Word of God. And this is why, as a congregation, we have our children here with us. Yes, there's a nursery for the, the infants, but it's not our practice and it ought not ever become our practice that, well, we'll have the children join us up through Scripture reading or up to Scripture reading, but then we'll dismiss them and they can go do some arts and crafts or whatever it may be while we all sit here and listen to the preaching as adults. That ought never become our practice. Children belong here in the worship service because God's Word addresses also the children. Those are the implications of the address itself. But now we need to look at the specific word that's spoken to children. And indeed, this is a word for the children. For the, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration, to begin with that word, children was to make it so that every child sitting there would sit up and listen closely and pay attention because here's a word for the children of the church. And that word is that you obey 
your parents. Ephesians 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey, that means to do what you are told to do by your parents. Obedience means when your parents command you to do this or that, that you listen to them and carry out whatever is they tell you. It means that you follow their instructions. And this can be something as simple as a parent, father or mother, telling you to come here. And I say that in light of the specific word that's used here when it says, obey your parents. That word obey comes from the word that refers to the responsibility of a doorkeeper. Children, for people who had a, a very big house with all sorts of servants, there would be one servant who was the doorkeeper. And any time he heard a knock on the door, it was his responsibility to answer, to hearken to that noise, go to the door, open it, see who it was, and if that person had the right to come in, to let them in. Well, children, for you, the knock on the door, the, the ring of the doorbell is when your parents say, my son, my daughter, come here. That's a command, and the calling is to obey. And we are to obey our parents at all times and in all things. At all times. And we say that because this word obey has the idea of continued ongoing action and in all things because in a parallel passage in Colossians 3, verse 20, we read Paul saying to the, that congregation, children, obey your parents in all things. Not some things. Not most things. In all things. And yes, there is one exception. And that's if your parents would ever tell you to do something sinful. If your parents tell you to do something sinful, then it would be your calling to obey God rather than men. But praise be to God for the vast majority of you, you have two believing parents. And thus the likelihood of ever being told to do something sinful is so small. Children, obey your parents. And it's worth adding what this looks like, the manner in which you are to obey, how you are to obey. And we can summarize that manner with three simple words. And maybe these are words the parents need to have their children memorize. Children, obey your parents swiftly, sweetly, and completely. Children, obey your parents swiftly. That is, when dad or mom tell you to do something, the answer is not, well, when I finish my book. Well, I'll do it when I feel like doing it. No. Without any sort of delay. Right away, we obey them. That's obeying swiftly. Obey them sweetly. That is, without grumbling, complaining, without a big, ah, I don't want to. That's not obedience. Obey sweetly. That is, obey by answering, yes, Dad, or yes, Mom. And be sure you also obey completely. So that when the command is, go pick up the toys, you don't pick up just part of the toys, but all the toys. When the command is, clear the table, you don't leave some of the dishes behind having cleared only a few, but you clear all the dishes 
from the table. Children, obey swiftly, sweetly, and completely. But now the instruction does not stop there. Because verse 1 gives the primary thing in view. Children, obey your parents. But then it adds something just as important in verse 2 when we read, honor thy father and thy mother. So there's really two main commands that come to children tonight. One, obey. Two, and closely related, honor your parents. Honoring something slightly different because obedience is primarily a matter of our outward, external conduct and behavior. Whereas honoring our parents, that's a matter of the heart. Honoring our parents is that inner attitude of having a, a, a high view of our parents, respecting our parents. And doing so because they occupy a position of authority. And how important that this is added for the instruction to the children. Because otherwise, we might try to convince ourselves that well, as long as I obey outwardly. It really doesn't matter what my attitude is. That I can be angry at dad and mom for telling me to do something, but then I'm still doing what I'm supposed to. No. Because it's not just obey. It's also obey and honor. That is, do so out of a a heart that loves your parents. Do so with an attitude of respect toward your parents. And I trust you recognize this is this calling to honor our parents is the exact opposite of the negative prohibition that we find again and again in Scripture. Something Scripture tells us children are not to do. And that main thing that we read again and again, especially in the Old Testament, is that children may not, must not, curse their parents. To read just one of many passages, Exodus 21, verse 15 says, and he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Children, do not speak evil against your parents, towards your parents, or behind the back of your parents. Do not even think evil thoughts about your parents because if you're thinking evil or speaking evil about your parents, then you're cursing your parents. And Scripture says, do not curse your parents, but honor your parents. And let that honor for your parents in your heart then show itself in a life of obedience to them. And note well, children, you are to obey both of your God-given parents. We've talked about the main command, obey and honor, and now to whom are we to give this obedience and honor? And the answer is, to both of your God-given parents. Because while verse 1 says, children, obey your parents, and leaves it vague in general, verse 2 says, honor thy father and thy mother. That is, you may not just obey the one, but refuse to honor the other. It's not just that I listen to dad, but I, I can do whatever I want when it comes to mom. God says, obey and honor both. Because He Himself has given you your parents. Notice those words, children, obey your parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. That is the ones that God Himself has given to you. The children that 
the, the parents that He picked out in all eternity for you. The parents that He saw to it that you would be born to in time. The parents that He's given to you to raise you and instruct you. Children, obey your God-given parents. Because they've been given a position of authority over you. But now at the risk of losing the attention of the children, we need to insert a quick word to the parents. Parents, recognize that your children will obey and honor both parents only when a husband loves his wife and a wife submits herself to her husband. And I say that because there's a deliberate progression in the text. The Apostle Paul, by inspiration, did not start in chapter 5, verse 22 by saying, children, obey your parents. He started with, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And then he said to husbands, make sure you love your wife. Because that's where it starts. Because you see, our children learn from our examples how we treat one another as husband and wives is going to influence deeply how our children treat that other spouse. That is to say, if a wife does not submit herself to her husband, you can be sure the children will not obey Him. And if a husband does not love his wife, you can be sure the children will not honor her. It starts with us as parents. In our relationship as husband and wife. But now there's one more step to the progression because not only is this word to children put after the calling of husband and wife, it comes before the calling to servants with respect to their masters. And the progression is there that there is that unless the children learn it in the home, how to obey and honor their parents, they're never going to be able to obey and honor their employer. It starts in the home. It starts with the family. And that's why we can be thankful that God's Word gives us the instruction that it does. This underscores the importance of healthy marriages and healthy families. But now having given that quick word to the parents, children, this text is for you. And it's told the children, obey and honor your parents. And we've made clear that this is to both of your parents because God has given you both. And now the passage adds the why. We've considered the what, the whom, and now the why. And the why is because this is right in the eyes of our God. Ephesians 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it's right because God commands it. He is God. He has the, the authority to say what is right and what is wrong. And because He says, children, obey your parents, that therefore makes it right. And heeding this word then is pleasing to Him. We say that in light of Colossians 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And this is right. This is pleasing to our God. 
exactly because He has put them in a position of authority. We've mentioned that word here and there in the sermon. Let's explain it now. That idea of authority. Children, someone in authority is someone who's over you. Someone who is above you. And the person in supreme authority is God Himself. He is over. He's above every one of us. For our God is in heaven. He is the all-powerful One. He is the Creator of all things. And for all those reasons, He is over us. He's above us. He's the One in charge. He has authority. But then it's God's will that He places certain people under Him who are in positions of authority over others. And for children, it starts with God. He is the chief authority. He is supreme over all. And He's placed your parents over you so that the children at the bottom looking up to dad and mom as those who are in positions of authority because God Himself put them there. And for children, that means obedience to our parents. It's a matter of obedience to our God. And thus, it's pleasing to our God when we obey our parents. But the opposite is also true that if we disobey dad and mom, well then really, we're disobeying God Himself. And that's displeasing to Him. And thus, the perspective for the children is that well, because... God has put dad and mom in that position. Three is filled with such examples. It begins, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. And then it adds, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. And then verse 4 adds, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Verse 5 calls us to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not into our understanding. And then it adds, and He shall direct thy paths. Verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then it adds, It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thy increase. And then the word of encouragement again. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Here comes a command. And then a word of encouragement. That it will go well with you. And that's what we find here in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey and honor your parents. There's the command and the promise. It will go well for you. But now, how then are we to understand these passages? What is the idea of this link? Well, to put it negatively, as those who live in the New Testament, Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3 is not saying that if children obey their parents, they can all expect to live until they're 90 or 100 years old and that they will be given physical health and earthly wealth. 
That's not the case because we live in the New Testament era. In the Old Testament, God closely linked together the physical blessings with the spiritual so that the physical were tokens of the spiritual. But in the New Testament, there's not that same close link between the two so that the application for us has to do with spiritual blessings. Things going well for us from a spiritual point of view. Now that may include the physical, if God so wills it, but again, that's not primary. And this is meant to encourage the children in their obedience. And to understand that encouragement, children, you can picture a large circle that you can stand inside of. And that circle that you can stand inside of, the boundary of it, is this command, children, obey and honor your parents. So that those children who are inside the circle are those children who are seeking to obey and to honor their parents. But when one disobeys, dishonors, and persists in those sins, he or she thereby leaves the circle. It's going against mom and dad that is crossing the boundary. It's stepping outside of that circle. And what this passage is teaching us is when it says that children are to obey their parents, that it may go well for them. It's telling us that it's inside of the circle that things will go well for you from a spiritual point of view. That is, within the circle, there is God's blessing that rests upon you. If you go outside the circle, things will not go well for you. Outside of the circle, there's nothing but misery, pain, and hardship. And to stay outside the circle is to expose oneself to the wrath of God against our sin. And God says all this to encourage children, do not leave the circle. Obey your father and mother and it will go well for you. That is one way to understand this passage. And by saying one way, I'm not saying here's another way that's equally good, but that idea of a circle is one illustration that we can use. Because this is indeed, passages such as this are indeed difficult to understand. How do we understand this connection between obedience and some blessing from God? And indeed, we've, we've wrestled with this as churches in recent years. How are we to understand these passages that link together obedience and blessing? Does it mean that I earn these blessings by my obedience? Is it that my obedience is a condition I must perform for God to give me these things? We've wrestled with that. And praise be to God that He led the synod of our denomination in 2018 to give us clear guidance and instruction regarding how we are to understand that relationship. And synod, on the basis of God's Word, taught us that well, these blessings that come to us, it's not because of our obedience, but it's only because of 
the obedience of Christ and His saving work. That's the basis for these blessings. And as for how we receive them, well, we receive them by faith because faith is the instrument of our salvation. It's, it's the vessel that in which we receive all the blessings that come to us. And as for these passages that link obedience to that blessing, well, they're teaching us that God grants these blessings that we enjoy something like covenant fellowship with our God in the way of obedience. So that synod used the analogy of a pathway to help us understand that. But that was not the only language that synod used because they also said we not only enjoy these blessings in the way of fellowship that is on a particular path, but the other language that synod used is that we enjoy these things in the sphere of holiness. In the sphere of. That is, you can picture a big circle. And within that circle, within that sphere, one enjoys these blessings, these benefits. Outside of that circle, well, when one goes out there and stays out there, God hides His face from him and he loses the sense of God's favor for a time. But now let's make sure there are no misunderstandings of what we're saying. It's not that my obedience is what keeps me in the circle or gets me into the circle in the first place. Nor is it the case that it's that my obedience is like a spiritual currency that, okay, I did a good work and now I have some coin, some currency. I hand that in to God and then He hands me down a blessing. That's not the idea. We are not to think of our good works as a spiritual currency that we turn into God so that He then gives us a blessing. But instead, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we come into the circle and remain in the circle. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that we receive all these blessings. But because when the child of God is living by faith, walking by faith, that, that faith in Jesus Christ is going to go on to produce good works out of gratitude for that salvation so that good works then characterize the life of one who is in the circle by faith. Good works are the evidence that somebody is in fact within that circle at a particular time. And because of that, because the good works characterize one who's in the circle or who's on a particular path, Scripture again and again and again links together obedience and some blessing. Children, obey your parents and it will go well for you. But now again, there's a word for parents. And the word for parents is that when we find our children straying outside of that circle, we must rescue them and seek to bring them back in. And the process of rescuing our children who are going astray begins with discipline. God's Word calls us to discipline our children. It does so, for example, in Proverbs 
23, verses 13 and 14, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. And now it's when it speaks of beating him with the rod, we're not to understand that as overdoing it, but careful use of discipline when our children sin. And that's so important because if we fail in this regard as parents, then we're sending a message to our children. A message that is the exact opposite of the message of Scripture. When we fail to discipline our children, we are telling our children, it's okay for you to be outside that circle. The message of Scripture is that within the circle there is safety and blessing. And when our children go astray from that and we fail to do anything about it, we're saying, it's not that big of a deal. Is this not what we see when we look at Eli, the priest, and his failure as a parent with Hophni and Phinehas? He told them what they're doing was sinful. He even told them to stop doing what they were doing. But he never disciplined them. Unless he was communicating that, well, I don't like this in the end. It's not that big of a deal. And that led to their destruction. Unless it's for good reason that Scripture says what it does in Proverbs 13, verse 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. As parents, we must discipline our children when they disobey and dishonor us as parents. That is, when they stray outside the circle. Because when we discipline them, we're telling them it's not safe out there. If you stray from this circle, it will not go well for you. In fact, it will go so much worse for you than getting a spanking from your dad and mom if you refuse to obey and honor your parents. We are to rescue them and that begins with discipline, but it doesn't stop with discipline. Because the purpose of discipline is not just to inflict pain for the sake of inflicting pain, but the purpose is to direct our children to Christ. To remind our children of the need they have for Him. Because how does one get back inside the circle? How does one stay within that circle of safety and blessing? It's not by our works, but it's by faith in Jesus Christ and looking to Him. And we discipline our children so that they cry out saying, I'm a sinner. So that they recognize that what they did was wrong, not just against us as parents, but against God. And we teach them to say sorry, not just to us as parents, but to say sorry to their Heavenly Father. And to pray at the youngest possible age, Father, forgive this sin or that sin. That's our calling as parents. In light of this passage that comes to us, 
And now our confidence as parents is that the Gospel is indeed for our children. Not just for us as adults. But now we go back to where we started in the first point. God's Word addresses children because children are included in His covenant and kingdom. Which is to say, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is for children too. Children, you know that, right? That there is forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ. We certainly all need that because we're all sinners. And is that not why God gives specific instruction to the children tonight? Is that not why there's one of ten commandments that's addressed specifically to children? So that as children we see our sinfulness. Because if we did not have the fifth commandment, if we did not have Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 3, then as children we'd be able to convince ourselves, I'm not a sinner. I haven't done anything wrong. But then when Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 comes to us, when the fifth commandment comes to us as children each Sunday morning, we're led to see, oh yeah, I am a sinner. Because what child here could honestly say, I've obeyed both dad and mom in all things at all times? What child here could honestly say before the face of God, I have obeyed my parents swiftly, sweetly, and completely every time they've told me to do something. And then I've done all of those things with a heart of honor, an attitude of love for my parents. No child can say that. But instead, every child must say, I've sinned. Not just against my parents, but against the God who put my parents in the position that He did. And therefore, I deserve something far worse than a spanking. I deserve something far worse than any discipline my parents could ever give to me. I deserve, in one word, hell. That's what I deserve for disobeying and dishonoring dad and mom. But children, did you know that's exactly the conclusion you need to draw? Because it's only when we see our sin, it's only when we understand what we deserve for our sin that we will ever cry out to Jesus Christ for deliverance. And the good news of the Gospel is that there is salvation in Him. Because children, let me say it again, children, I know we're getting toward the end of the sermon, but look up, children. There's salvation in Christ. Because He came into this world to die for us as sinners. 
He took that sin of disobedience and dishonoring your parents. And He took it upon Himself. And He paid the debt you owe. He endured the punishment you deserve. Not just a spanking from an earthly father or mother, but He took hell for you. Because He went to the cross to die for your sins. To pay the debt that we owe so that God can say to us, I forgive you. And it doesn't stop there, the good news. Because not only did Jesus Christ pay the debt that we owe, but He lived a life of perfect obedience. Children, did you know that? That Jesus always obeyed His dad and mom? Scripture tells us that. Scripture tells us that in Luke 2, verse 51, it says that Jesus went down with His parents and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. He obeyed His parents. And He did so in all things. At all times, Jesus Christ always obeyed swiftly, sweetly, and completely. And He did so from a heart that loves the Father. Not to, and that includes His earthly parents, but also His heavenly Father. His obedience was not just to His earthly parents, but to the Father in heaven. Because His heavenly Father gave Him commands. His heavenly Father told Him what He must do. And Jesus did it all perfectly. So that He could say in John 6, verse 38, For I came down from heaven not to do Mine own will, but the will of Him that sent Me. So that Paul could write about Jesus in Philippians 2, verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ obeyed perfectly. And here's the good part of it. His obedience becomes ours. It's transferred to us by faith. The way that money can get transferred from one bank account to another, the obedience, the righteousness of Jesus Christ gets transferred over to us. It becomes ours. And it's on that basis because of His obedience that it goes well for us. That God gives us eternal life in the land which He will give us in the new heavens and the new earth. Does not knowing that make you want to serve Him? Children, does not knowing what your Savior has done for you make you thankful? So that you now want to obey dad and mom in service to God. And that's what we're meant to to have in view in light of the wording of the text. There's one part of the passage we have yet to touch on and that's the end of verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Excuse me, the middle of verse 1. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord who came into this world and blood and died for your sins. Obey your parents in Him. That is, in union with Him as those who are united to Him as those who have a share in His death and resurrection and all the blessings that He's earned. Children, obey your parents in the Lord that is out of thankfulness for what He has done for you. That's our motivation. Our motivation to obey is not to avoid a spanking. Our motivation is not so that we get a piece of candy. Our motivation is not because we're trying to earn something from God Himself and that if I do enough, then He'll give me this blessing. He'll make it go well. But our motivation is gratitude. Thankfulness for all that God has so freely given me apart from anything that I've ever done in spite of all the sins I've committed. So children, children, consider what Jesus Christ has done for you. And when you meditate on it and it makes you thankful, so that you say in response, what can I do in response? How shall I show my gratitude? Hear God say to you in His Word, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Amen. Father in heaven, we confess that we are sinners, every one of us. Help us to see our sin and help us at the same time to know that there is mercy to be found in Thee and that when we come to Thee confessing our sins, Thou wilt forgive us for Jesus' sake. Father, apply this Word to our hearts and especially to the children of the congregation. And use it for their spiritual profit. We pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen.